Hey, thanks for checking out our show. If you like what you hear, we have tons of additional content at patreon.com slash the media lunch break. Hi, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. The boy's off at his grandparents. I kind of miss him a little bit, but you know, why is he off at his grandparents? What's the, what's the deal there? Because Chris, yeah, I'm going to get tanked tomorrow night. Why are you getting tanked tomorrow night? Because it's the office Christmas party. Oh, is it now? Yeah, it oh, is. The infamous office <laughs> Christmas party. Listen, Listen, I... Why are we recording tomorrow night? Oh, my God. At the party? Yeah. Here's the thing. I should show up. (laughs) That would be great. Here's the thing. I don't know why anyone would go to this, and I mean this... Let me rephrase this. I don't know why anyone who isn't me would go to this. Normally, it's at, like, a bowling alley, and there's, like, a pool table... And there's like a bunch of there's, you know, video games or whatever, maybe air hockey, ping pong. There's a bunch of stuff you can do this year. They're doing it just at a regular old karaoke bar. (laughs) So for me, I'm like, great. I love to sing. I'll sing. But I don't know why anyone else would. Oh, and here's the other thing. The events that they had listed for what will be available on like in the email they sent out. It was like singing some food firing. The last thing is trivia that is specific to my office, which is like about the cringiest thing I could think of. Yeah, because that really just sounds like they're what they're trying to do is figure out who they want to get rid of. <laughs> That's what this sounds like. This is a setup. Yeah. Right this here. person stole office supplies two years ago. Yeah. Who is it? Which one of you did it? I know one of you sons of bitches took my staplers. <laughs> yeah, this sounds this sounds this is a setup. This is what this is. It's let's get everyone drunk and have some truth telling right here about who knows about our company. That sounds super awkward. And I know it's gonna be there's only like I don't know. I'm one of the longest lasting people there. Right. So it's going to it's going to be me and like five other people who who could possibly know some of this. Yes. And it's not like you can prepare. You can't just Google it. You tried. That's what you like. You can't just Google it because I tried and there's nothing on there. It's been scrubbed clean. But I honestly I don't think I would go to this if I didn't like to sing. If I didn't like karaoke specifically. You know what you could do, Andrew? Here's what you could do. Instead of going to a bar, a karaoke bar full of people that you don't want to hang out with on a social setting. That's not, hey, that's not fair. If anyone from the office is listening to this, I love you, but fuck all the other ones. Also, <laughs> no one from your office is listening to this. I've met people in your office. There's Mel. But that doesn't count because yeah. she's also your fiance. Yeah, that's true. And nope, that's it. Yeah. So one, there's that. Two, instead of going to a bar full of people that you don't want to hang out with socially, even though it's a karaoke bar, you know what you could do? Buy alcohol at a store. I literally said to that house, to Melinda. Get drunk and then sing out loud. I know. she Because she was like, well, you know, maybe they'll give us free alcohol. And I was like, but booze in New Jersey doesn't cost very much. Maybe who will give you free alcohol? Well, they, they have in the past. Done, Had an open bar? Yeah. Because they want people nice and loose for that trivia so they can figure out who they're going to can. Well, and then they'll oftentimes they'll they'll be like, oh, it ended because it's like four to six p.m. <laughs> what? 
I know. But so they'll be like on a Wednesday, first of all. Oh, my god! But gosh. then they'll be like. It's the type of party that happens so that you can all make your AA meeting afterwards. <laughs> but then at what the end, the a lot hell? of times they'll be like, let's all go to the bar. And some of the company heads will like put their card down and be like, whoever wants drinks, it's on me for the next hour or whatever. You know, out of two. <laughs> no, no. At the, after it's over. Oh, after it's over. That's what I'm saying. It's like a lot of times that'll happen. But I did say to Melinda, I was like, yeah, but. Like, I don't know, a bottle of Jameson is like $12 here. And you don't have to share it with anyone. And you don't have to go. Yeah. Can I? No, I think. No, she sees me. She sees me. Can, yeah. can you come and over? And we can just yeah, put exactly. YouTube karaoke yes. on. Or what I would do is just get so drunk and then stand in the middle of my living room and sing whatever I want. Oh, my God. You just gave me a great idea. That's what I should do. I should stand in the middle of your living room drunk singing as loud as I want. Again. Yeah. You want to do a karaoke party for, uh, we missed your birthday, but next birthday? I mean, I figure you For my birthday, can we do a karaoke thing at your house? Yeah, sure. Okay, and by great. that, I mean, I'm going to get you so drunk that you're going to be standing in the middle of my living room singing. Naked. Well, I mean, that goes without saying. That's true. over a water bottle I got so into that. (laughs) Everybody, welcome to the Mina Lunch Break. Bring you all of your comic geek and movie news all in the time it takes to eat a good sandwich and get Andrew so drunk he becomes disorderly. My name is Chris Treble. Alongside me, as always, is my co-host, Andrew Dunn. Say hello, Andrew. All I'm saying is they call it a birthday suit for a reason. (laughs) Because when you see it, it's worth celebrating. (laughs) Not in my experience. Well, you've been looking at the wrong suits there, sweetheart. I thought you were going to say you've been looking at the wrong mirror. (laughs) (laughs) I've got a very special mirror. (laughs) I found it at a fun house. Yep. And it makes it fun. And it's it makes it fun for one of us. (laughs) Weirdly enough, there's always three involved, though. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Andrew, Avatar... The Way of the Water, whatever the hell it's called, I don't remember. Avatar 2 has been unleashed upon the nation. But as of this recording, we're still like a couple days out. So, here's the thing. Here's the deal. Have you all rushed out and gone seen Avatar 2? Possibly. Who knows? Or are you like us? Or specifically, I should say, I don't want to be too presumptuous, but like me, who was like, I'm not going to see this movie. And the reviews have started coming in and everyone's saying it's the most amazing achievement of mankind since sliced fucking bread. And maybe in a week or two, I'm going to have to go fucking watch it. That's right. That's what I'm thinking. But here's the other part. Did you see Avatar 2 and then just go, oh, fuck, I... When was the last time I saw Avatar 1? Yeah. That was us too. And so we figured since Avatar 2 has just come out, and uh, if you haven't seen it already, you're probably going to need to go see it because society demands it. But then you go, ah, but now I got to watch another three hour movie in order to watch the second three hour movie. Well, guess what? You don't have to do that because we watched it for you. That's right. And Chris. Yes. 45 years ago, James Cameron gave us the first Avatar film. That's true. Which made him the second richest person to make his money from people dressed as cats. The first being the CEO of Pornhub. We're here tonight 
to give you a recap of this movie, so you can have everything you need to see its sequel, Avatar 2, Gargamel's Revenge. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about the first Avatar. So... Uh, did you get a chance to finish this? I did. It, it's a long movie. <laughs> it is. So if you didn't, I wouldn't yeah. blame you. It took me less time to read the reading assignment. I know. That's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> I watched this over the course of two days. Yeah. I had to break it up. I had to break it up with dropping the kid off at his grandparents. Sure. I got like three quarters of the way through and then I was like, eh. All right. Let's pause this here. <laughs> yeah. This seems like a good time. Yeah. So I've, I had not seen this since I saw it once in theaters. Is same. that the same with you? Yeah. Okay. I had a feeling. I'm going to do a quick plot summary, and then we're just going to talk about this, about how we feel. So, let's see. Sam... Fuck. What's Watterson. his name? Watterson. I almost said Rockwell. Sam right? Fuck. I, I was like, it is definitely not Sam Rockwell. Although, can I say, if it was Sam Rockwell, I'd be way into this movie a lot more. Yeah, well, it's interesting, right? Because, and I know we haven't even really started this, but the supporting cast is incredible. It's really I mean, good. I, I don't know about their performances necessarily. We'll get into it, but... Just the people that they've gotten. It's a stacked deck. Yeah. Yeah, it's a really stacked deck. And then there's this guy. And then this guy, Sam this Worthington. This fucking guy. Sam Worthington, who, in his defense, in like 2009, when this movie first came out, was like, was like kind of hot shit. Like, it was this, and he had Clash of the Titans, and he was like the go-to guy for a hot second. For movies that were critically mostly meh? Yeah, pretty much. But yeah. made money. But made lots and lots and lots of money. So... Sam Worthington plays Jake Sully, who is a ex. Uh, do they say Marine? He's a Marine. Yeah, yes. he's an ex Marine from the Jarhead clan from the. Yes, exactly. Uh, he's an ex Marine whose brother is in. The, I don't even know where to start with this whole damn movie. This movie is huge. So uh, whose brother was enlisted in a program and you find out that the program is his brother was going to get flown to a planet that they've been trying to mine for a, an element known as, I can't believe I have to say this out loud, unobtainium. It does not sound like this should be in the big, anyway, I'm, we'll get into that. It sounds like they went, ah, we'll change it later. But yes. It's, uh, anyway, so, so, so they're, they've been mining this, this planet, well, really a moon, it looks like. Yes. Called Pandora. A moon of Jupiter, right? I don't know. I think the planet is meant to look like Jupiter. Oh, okay. But it's a blue planet. Gotcha. And the moon is meant to look like Earth. Where they are mining this moon for this element called unobtainium. And there is an indigenous species there, an indigenous people known as the Navi, who are just basically a giant pain in their ass all of the time. And so they've figured out a way to create avatars of Navi people and put human beings minds in them. And Jake Sully's brother was going to do that. Except then Jake Sully's brother got mugged and killed, but Jake Sully matches his DNA. Cause he's a twin. So they were like, Hey, Jake Sully, thanks for the service. One, two. Also, sorry about the fact that you can't use your legs cause you're paralyzed and in a wheelchair, but also, um, we can actually, it's the future now. I don't know if you know it's the future, but it's the future, Jack Sully. And we can actually fix that for the right amount of coin. And uh, if you take over your brother's position of going and putting your mind in a big blue thing's body, we'll fix those legs for you. So what are you saying? Jake Sully's like, fucking, I ain't doing nothing. Sign me up. 
And so Jake Sully flies to Pandora. Is that what they say? Hang on a second. What? Did they say that? Or wasn't that Stephen Lang who said that? Well, he also says for the right amount of money, you can get your legs fixed. But you can't get it through like the ma- through the vet. All right, because I know Stephen Lang at one point is like he does say if it you too. do this thing for me, I'll make sure you get out of here with your real legs. Yeah, the two guys at the beginning with the brother's body don't say it out loud. I thought he was just doing it to do it. Oh no, that's what it is. What they say is he he had already enlisted because he was supposed to go with his brother. And so he's like, I'm already going to be here anyway, right. so I might as well do this thing. Well, no, I think I thought they were saying. Because he's sitting there with his brother's dead body in what looks to be like an alleyway, but I guess it's a morgue. Well, oh, <laughs> I, I wrote here, I think it's supposed to be sad that they offer his brother's assignment to him while his brother is being vaporized in a shoebox, but I just find it hilarious. Yeah, it was weird. But they said something like, you're a perfect match for this yeah, yeah, yeah. because you share DNA. But he also says he was already going. Yeah, it's, but it's kind of confusing because it also then he also makes it seem like he wasn't. This whole fucking thing is confusing. He wasn't going and then he took over because his brother died and. Then, well, he wasn't going to do the assignment. He was just going there as military. But he's not in the military. He's yeah, not, he was going to be just like a guy with a gun but he's, or something. No, uh, what? He can't be a guy with a gun. He's in a wheelchair. I don't know what they were. Maybe he was going to work at a desk. I don't fucking know. The point <laughs> is, they were just, they, he was just, he was going as regular military. His brother was part of the super secret, super special assignment. His brother can't do it because he's fucking dead as a doornail. So they ask him to do it. Yeah, the point, listen, whether he was going to go or not going to go is pointless because he ends up going. It's really, I guess, what it comes down to. And so uh, he goes and they put him in this avatar thing and he falls in love with a Navi and then he has sex with an alien and then, you know, he becomes one of them and then the, the you know, the tree explodes and whatever. We all saw the damn movie. <laughs> It's the highest grossing movie of all time. We saw the damn thing. Just watch Pocahontas. It's the same story, but shorter. Exactly. Or watch Dances with Wolves. It's the same story in the same amount of time, but also better. Or just watch Fern Gully. Well, in fact, put all three of them on three different screens at the same time, <laughs> and you basically get Avatar. Yeah. Anyway, that's Avatar. <laughs> the end. On to the reading assignment, I say. Oh, God. So, I saw this in theaters. You saw this in theaters, and we haven't seen it since then, and that was 2009. I've seen it since then. Have you? You just said you... Yeah, I just saw it today. Fucking, I fucking, I can't with you today, man. (laughs) Just fucking up my ass. (laughs) Jesus. Okay, since we've now seen this, and the sheen is worn off... Uh, Can I ask first, what did you think of it the first time you saw it? I kind of felt the same way I did watching it this time. But I did see it in a theater. So like, all right, let let me get this out of the way. Whether you're watching this in a theater or watching it now on a high def television, it's beautiful. I mean, it's it's really gorgeous. The whole the effects, even from 2009, hold up to me like they're like they were made last year. Like, it's really, really beautiful to look at. Man, the plot is just like. So middle of the road to me. Brain mush. Yeah. It's not, I don't even want to say it's bad. It's just so blase. It's nothing. It's nothing. It's a nothing plot. Yeah. It is a nothing plot. Yeah. It's just brain mush. It's something you can just sit and watch and be like, oh yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh huh. 
That's okay. Uh, oh, and then the, we're going to do so probably oh, yeah. in another couple of scenes. This will happen. I shot the gun. I was going to ride the alien yeah, horse. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. All got right. It, got it. Got it. Cool. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. That's cool, pretty cool, much cool. it. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of shocks me to this day that this was the highest grossing movie of all time. Yeah. Because like I said, it's gorgeous to look at. Yeah. It really shows you exactly how important aesthetic is. Right. But I'm like, I don't understand how. I think also marketing. I think there's like a like a. Like almost a crossroads that happened with this film where there were a lot of people who knew James Cameron for a bunch of different films that they loved. You had the Terminator slash Aliens fans. Mm -hmm. You had the the Titanic fans. fans. And then you had the marketing of, you know, just in general, the great marketing. Plus, you had people who were just like very interested in seeing this movie that's supposed to be this most beautiful thing in the world. So I think they checked a lot of boxes that like different people would have. I don't know. I think there's a lot of people who have one of those boxes and that's all they need to see a movie. And there's there. He just covered like a very big spectrum of people. Yeah, I can see that. I can understand that. Uh, And you also get the hype. You get the hype. You get a big opening weekend box office and everyone is like, oh, my God, this is the most glorious thing I've ever seen. Like it is it, it is gorgeous to watch on screen. This is also 2009 was still like the the whole putting a movie in 3D. It was established, but it was still fairly new. Like, you know, as a regular thing that they do now. Here's the other thing, too, though, is that people give Rotten Tomatoes a lot of shit because people think that it's an indicator of the quality of a film when really 100 percent of the critics say, I thought it was okay and acceptable. That gives it a 100 percent rating. And in the same way, I think gross sales profits are another similar indicator, because if you go to the IMDb for this movie, it's got a 7.8 out of 10. Which is about what I would give it. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And most of that is for the way it looks. (laughs) Right. But that's what I mean. I think a lot of people were like, you know, you have a big opening weekend where where people go, my God, this looks amazing. Right? It looks absolutely beautiful. And it had a big opening weekend. And that's what all the critics say, that it's, wow, it's really gorgeous to look at and everything. And so the following weekend, everybody goes... Oh shit, I didn't go see that. Man, I should go see that. And then that second big opening weekend. And then all of a sudden, and you'll have people who are like, no, I love this movie. It's really great. Um, and they want to go back again. But then all of a sudden the press kicks in of like, this movie is really doing big box office numbers and James Cameron has done it again and blah, 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 blah. And then that third weekend, everyone's going, oh shit. The people who still haven't gone are going like, I need to go see this movie. And then by that time, the two weekends from the people from the two weekends prior. You've created a cascade. You've created a snowball effect. Yeah. Right. And before you know it, and then it's all of a sudden, like, I remember this was on the cover of Time and Newsweek. And then all of a sudden, all the people who had no interest in going to see this go, shit, I don't want to be left out of this. Like, I need to know what everyone is talking about. I need to just go to understand what this cultural reference at this point, (laughs) you know, they they basically, the rest of the tickets are FOMO tickets. You know, we went to school with someone who told me that this movie changed her life. We did. Yeah. Hold on. Cut this part out. Who? (laughs) Oh, I see that. Yeah. I, yep. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yep. <laughs> she That's was what. talking about it in our voice class and she started crying because she was so moved by it. You know, listen, I, I will say this. I'm not going to. This is one of those movies. Yes, I find it bleh, but I don't find it bad. So if someone like and, and like I said, it is 
epic in scope. So if someone came and was like, this is the greatest movie ever created, I'd be like, I could I can wrap my head around the idea yeah. that someone in this world. It's could not like they that. said that about like Hudson Hawk or some right. shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's a reference. But too. you know what I mean. Like you're like, yeah, yeah so I know okay, exactly I guess. what you're saying. Yeah, like about Avatar, you're like, yeah, all right, all right, sure, I can see it. Yeah, yeah, it's a whole world that they built, and they have, there's a mythology, just like a Tolkien or Star Wars or Star Trek. Yeah, they or anything created like that. their own language for it. Yeah, exactly. I could totally get the that. composer said to this day, it's the hardest movie he's ever worked on. He was pulling like he was. Working from 5 a.m. to 11 p.m. every single day for like two years. Jesus. Yeah. I can't. Yeah. I mean, most of that is just fielding phone calls from James Cameron going like, what the fuck are you doing? (laughs) This eighth note sucks. (laughs) Would you like to hear what I thought of it the first time I saw it? Yes, I did. Sorry. Yes. Very similar to sort of what I what you said, like basically the same as what I think now with one key difference, Mm -hmm. which is that I thought the same thing as you when I first saw it. I was like, this is gorgeous. This is the most beautiful film I've ever seen. Yeah. And uh, I thought at the time, yeah, the story was kind of blah. I was like very Dances with Wolves, very Pocahontas. Even then, halfway through the film, I remember being like, I've seen this like 40 times. But I did at the time think it was an extremely beautiful film. I thought, my God, this is it. We have reached, finally, I say this every five years or so, but this is photorealistic. This is the pinnacle. Photorealistic. Yeah. We cannot improve on this. Shut down cinema, everyone. Yeah. We're done. We did 20 it. years from now, you won't be able to tell the difference. And uh, I think for 2009, it's still incredible. That being said, watching it again and watching it on a regular TV, I was like, mm-hmm. it's not that good. The Navi itself, the Navi effect, not great by today's standards. The only thing I really found that specifically, if I have to get specific with it, I think when everything is CG, it looks great. Yeah. But when the CG has to interact with human people, it gets very weird. I think there's a lot of weight issues as well. There's a couple times where the Navi are getting knocked back and they kind of just sort of float to the ground. And that might be because of the gravity difference or something. But other times they just fall right. really aggressively and hit the ground really hard. So I don't know. You can never tell when it's going to switch into slow-mo, though. So, you know, there's that. Too. So I don't know. There's there's a bunch of weird shit in here. And I was like, I mean, it's not better than Endgame. It's not better than like when you find out that in event in um, Captain America Civil War, Black Panther is entirely CG, which like right. I can't tell. I yeah. did not know that. Yeah. Um, or that, you know, Robert Downey Jr. hasn't put on an Iron Man suit since the same year, 2009. You know, right. Well, right. And maybe this is because of this movie. Oh, sure. I think there's a very good reason to believe that the reason we have been able to do this multiple times and improve on this is because of the work James Cameron did on this film. Absolutely. But watching it now, I'm like, yeah, all right, it's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the again, the texture that he gives all of the landscapes and everything, like those big epic shots, they're absolutely gorgeous. And I agree with you. The Navi themselves by... Today's by today's standards, they're a little wonky. And I, I agree with you of like when they have to interact with a physical thing, it becomes a little a little off, uh, which I think they've improved on. And I agree with you as well. I'm sure one of the reasons this is it's better today is because of this movie like this. This now became the groundwork for like what the Avengers and all the Marvel movies are able to do. But yeah, I, it's 
you know, when you're just watching it on a television screen and you're not being taken in by the by the majesty on a big screen of like the imagery and you have nothing to do but sit with the story itself. Like you said, I've seen this 40 different times. Well, yeah. And even the same point could be made about the technology. Right. And how it led to so many great things about the Lord of the Rings. Right. And those movies... The sto- I mean, the story, granted, was written by a different person. It's based on right. a book, et cetera, et yes. cetera. But it's fantastic. But like it you, holds up. The, the CG of that and the camera tricks and stuff could all be terrible, and you'd still have a great film. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because you're, cause you're taken in by the story. Right. Whereas this is two hours and 45 minutes, which, and I, I will say, it's two hours and 45 minutes, and I found myself watching things and going, this could be improved it was if it was both shorter and longer in some points. Right. You know what well, I mean? Well, and I love Corridor Crew. I forget which person on it. I think it's Nico is his name. I don't remember his last name, but he's one of the head producers of Corridor Crew, which is a YouTube series about CGI and stuff and sort of filmmaking. And he has a rule that he tries very hard to stick to. And I don't think it's a rule that should always be used, but I think it's an important one to think about while you're making a movie. And the rule is... The length of a sh- of a the length of a scene should take the same amount of time to describe as it takes to play. To watch it, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I I think that's you know there's a lot of like how long would it take me to to describe the scene of him trying to ride a pterodactyl for the first time versus it taking fifteen minutes? You know, right, right, right. If anything, it should either be the same amount of time or this the conversation describing the scene should take longer yeah because there may be subtext to it or something right. you know something else is scene. happening yeah there's a 45 second scene with three words of dialogue between two characters mm-hmm. but i could talk 20 minutes about it because of this the the subtext right. is going on in here because this is a uh, a reference to the time when he was a child and tried right, to ride a right, horse right. for the first yeah, yeah, time yeah. or whatever yeah. exactly then that's a good scene but if it's if the scene like the pterodactyl scene <laughs> Where you're, which they're not pterodactyls, but they're pterodactyls. They're pterodactyls, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Just like the Native Americans rode, this is an allegory. For them re- re- when they rode pterodactyls. But yeah, it, that scene goes on for like 10 minutes. Yeah. And uh, and I can describe it right now. He he gets up, they bring him up to these giant birds, and they're like, you gotta stick your tail in the bird, <laughs> and then the bird is yours forever. Yeah. And the bird fights him for a little while, and then he gets his tail in the bird, and then he can fly. <laughs> That's it. That's all that. That's all that comes down to. You know, he's trouble at first, and then he's done, and then he, f- he figures it out. But yeah, I, there's things like that. But there's also, you know, kind of s- almost subplots that, like I said, either could be elaborated or, and and the movie would be made better or cut out completely, and the movie would be made better because it's shorter. Right. But like, there's one in particular. There's what's his name? Is it Ned? The other Norm. guy that shows up. Norm. Thank you. There's Norm, who is like studied for this thing his whole life, and then Jake Sully shows up, and he's like, I think I read the back of a cereal box about this yeah, one. That's right. Yeah. He's like, I've played video games. Yeah, and Norm is like totally fine with this when he first shows up, and then things start to happen, and Norm starts to get a little more annoyed. And literally the next scene, Norm is back on board again. Yeah. And I was like, well, why did Norm get upset in the first place? Yeah. Like that could have been a great subplot. And I told like I understood where that character was coming from. You could have milked that for something. You could have made it play into something else. But 
it lasts two scenes. Norm gets upset. Norm goes back to not being upset. And I was like, well, that was a pointless five minutes of my time that you could have taken out of this movie. You know, there are little things like that where I'm like, why are you? What's the whole? Especially after we see that it's somewhat warranted at times. Like when Jake first wakes up in the Avatar, they're like, hey, can you sit down? And he's like, no. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> and he just starts like wrecking shit. It's 100% warranted. Like I said, I don't, I understand where that character is coming from. I fully expected it. In fact, you know, in some ways, like I, the reason I say like they should have fleshed it out is because if it didn't happen, I'd almost be like, how is Norm not like upset by this? Yeah. Like, I almost know. wonder if it's because they had too many characters who are like, who eventually become won over by him. Right. They they have to service. They don't have time to service all their characters. Yeah. One, all of them are the same. Like every single person in this rightfully is like doesn't trust him, mm-hmm. thinks he's an idiot mm-hmm. and he kind of is and like doesn't want him anywhere near them. Right. So like to have because li- Sigourney Weaver's character is the same way at first. Yes. So like I- to have literally everybody do that, I guess, would be stale. Right. But you're right. There does need to be a thing where he like. I think he does need to win them over. He needs to win them over. He doesn't really. I mean, there's not much he does to win Sigourney Weaver over. Really? Right. I like, agree. He, you know, she's like, oh, God, this fucking idiot. And he's like, yeah, I'm a fucking idiot, but you're stuck with me, bitch. And I was like, yeah. I think as he becomes, I think as he becomes visibly more in tune with the Navi, she starts because that's her main thing as well. Right. As soon as she starts to realize, oh, he's not just a hired gun. I think that starts yes. to work. But hers is also a lot more gradual than Norm's. That's what I'm saying. And because it's gradual, you kind of lose the impact of it. Yeah. She and also was... feels very like she doesn't seem to give a shit about anything. Right. So the the like, it's not as weird because at the end of the day, she's like, well, this is the job. So I guess I'm working with this guy. Yes. But that's the thing is I was waiting for that moment. And really, that moment should have come with him. Yeah. Of like, listen. You don't like me, and that's fine. But you're stuck with me. Right. You think I like this? Yeah. Look at me. Do you see these legs? They're completely useless. You think I got bigger problems than this right now? Or I do. how about that as well? Even a moment, like, you can add a small scene between him and Norm where he's like, look, I know I'm difficult to deal with. I just, it's been a long time since I've been able to walk, and I think it just, it went to my head. Right. You know? And, it, yeah. and then it's an emotional connection that you have. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I well, yeah, and that's I really I was again I was looking for that kind of emotional connection between Sigourney Weaver and him, where he's yeah. like, "Listen, you don't have to like me, but life is hard for everybody. I had my own shit too. I have whatever your the scientific equivalent that you have. I have the military equivalent of that. We yeah. all have problems, so let's work together. And you need to get over your crap." And like some sort of confrontation, it, it never quite came to a head. It just like petered out and then you get on with the movie and i'm like well that's this is why it's three hours long because you just generally let it just kind of trail off yeah you know what i mean yeah i had one random question uh for you you ready okay don't they have a tracker in those motherfuckers in the avatars in the avatars should they have trackers in them should they he loses the they can't find him he's in the avatar he's stuck in the avatar right and they can't 
find him and they chop her around the jungle looking for him in the trees like it's Vietnam or something and they're like oh it's getting dark we better get out of here and I was like you that thing has got to be I can there's a I can track my minivan okay I can track my phone yeah I can put a chip in my dog all right. That thing has to cost multi millions of dollars, even in whatever future money you're using. You don't put a chip in that yeah. that gives you its exact location. What? Can I give you one better? Yes. After they get broken out of jail. Yes. Remember when they're all put in the jail yeah, cell? Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. Jake tells Max to stay there because he needs a man on the inside. But like this advanced futuristic industrial military complex doesn't have cameras outside the jail cell. I was very confused on how that guy was allowed to stay. Yeah. Also, it's a sci- it's a scientific like community that they all have. Max was one of the guys in the community. Right. And the th- other three m- remaining ones that. For some reason, I'm not sure why Max wasn't arrested because there's no law here. They could just take these people and put them in a cell. But uh, also, like, if the three of them somehow magically escaped, wouldn't wouldn't you just go like, oh, you, the one that got left behind? Yeah. You're probably with them. Well, Okay, but there's because we see that there's a bunch of other scientists sure, as but well. I'll, honestly, I so you gonna lock up all of them? Yes, <laughs> I, that's, they don't give a shit about any of these scientists. Yeah. They don't you give. Probably a, got the cells, the jail cells. They got the room, or Stephen Lang's gonna take him out back and shoot him in the head. Well, that's another interesting thing too. All three of them were put in the same jail cell. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, why? I it does, I know. This is what I mean. There's little it's just these little things where I'm like, this is if this is the future, this is what we could do in present day. If this is the future, like why don't you have any of this? This is really even in two thousand nine. You know, James Cameron, if you could foresee us cryogenically freezing people for five years straight to take them to another planet, I'm pretty sure you can think up low jacking a low jacking a piece of military technology because yeah, i'm pretty sure they do that now yeah pretty sure you can find your phone fucking anywhere this is what i'm saying yeah this is li- I, this is what i'm saying i can find my phone i can they find make your tags phone you can put on your bike yeah yeah or like in your bag or whatever yeah yeah that thing costs easily like 10 million dollars a pop yeah you know what I mean? Like those things, those, those things are not cheap. Yeah. Maybe more than that. Like that's roughly how much like fighter jets cost. Right. That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking this thing has got to be around the cost of a normal fighter jet. Oh, really? Because they don't have that many, right? No, but that's what I mean. Like to build. A- so I would think it's much more expensive is what I'm. Okay. Which would go more to your point that like right. this feels like it's. Hey, Mr. President, we need a 20% bump because we need like hundreds of millions of dollars for each of these. Yeah. You know, so like, yeah, yeah, spend an extra 50 bucks and put a tracker on it. Yeah, exactly. We'll go down to the new Circuit City. (laughs) Whatever future Circuit City is. Circuit Village. Circuit Village. Circuit Plaza. That's what the Navi have. It's a Circuit Village. Yeah, exactly. And uh, we'll just put a little chip right in there. It is so obvious that they wanted Matt Damon. <laughs> like, once you know it, it's so obvious. Every scene feels like Cameron is behind the camera screaming, We're not leaving until you do it exactly like Matt Damon. Be more charismatic. In the first, like, 
20 minutes, 15 minutes, he has a southern accent. And then it very quickly turns into like a New York accent. Yeah, it goes really back and forth. Especially at the very end of the movie where he's like the last like video journal he's recording is really strong New York dialect. And I was like, you didn't have this before. So I'm wondering what order they, they film these video journals in. Yeah. And like if he was playing with it at first and then he's like, nah, I'm just going to or cameras like fucking lose that. When he told someone he told he said in an interview that the language of the Navi was easier to learn than the American dialect. And I was like, yeah, because nobody's fucking checking your homework. Oh, that's right. Because he's not American. He's all No, he's, he's Australian. He's Australian. Yeah. Yeah. He's fucking Aussie. Yeah. He would, he would be. Yeah. But it's because like no one's watching that and going like that pronunciation of that Navi word wasn't right. <laughs> You know? Right, that's true. <laughs> so yeah. it doesn't have to be that exact. Yeah, yeah. Sigourney Weaver's first line being "Who's got my goddamn cigarette?" is very good. It's very good. Have you that. heard who she bases her character on? It's James Cameron. Oh, it's James Cameron. Wow. It's James Cameron. She based it on James Cameron. She wanted to basically. She said something like, "I wanted to ba- make this character based on someone who has a ton of heart is and won't." take any crap or something basically she's like i'm gonna make it uh make this character seem like a total asshole yeah so i have an a total i have a total asshole yeah just right in front of me that (laughs) i could just play right james how would you if if you were to wake up from a bed (laughs) hypothetically can you just step in here real quick can we just rehearse once with you here you know the lines yeah exactly let me just say something about unobtainium okay fucking change it like come on yeah that was so obvious and i know that cameron has said like he's very aware that his the dialogue in his scripts are very bad because uh, like i remember a spider-man script of his got leaked and they were like wow this is the dialogue in this is so terrible and he's like i motherfuckers i'm a director he's like i don't write scripts so that they say the dialogue is got i we get there on the day the dialogue is a placeholder and then we all fucking figure it out together. We all say it exactly however we would say it. How, exactly. And he's like, I don't care if you change it, just change it. He's like, but unobtainium, I'm like, fucking change that. Come on, dude. Like like you said, it sounds like it's a placeholder. And they just yeah. were like... Can't get tonium. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Rare gemicide. <laughs> gemicide? Gemicide. Yeah. That's what that's what the end of the movie. That's the last half hour of the movie. It's just rare gem aside. It's just really bad. Yeah, it's, it's not Giovanni good. Giovanni Ribisi, though, actually enjoyed in this movie. Disagree. Uh, I like that. He's chewing up the scenery a little bit. I think it's he's nice. a good get. Yeah. I think I ho- I might hold him. I'm a huge fan of his. Yeah. And I've seen him do a lot of very interesting, very intimate work. Yeah. And this to me just feels like. He's doing sort of a characterization of a smarmy businessman because he's doing a characterization of a smarmy businessman. Yeah. It just sounds like he's like putting on a funny voice. No, I d- well, well, I d- I'm just making the money. If we got to make the money. I liked him because he's the only thing that like kind of popped as a part as opposed to like most of the other characters in this movie, which are just kind of like run in the mill. The voice, the putter. Like he's literally putt putting into a mug because that's what a smarmy businessman would do. Right. But also, <laughs> I do feel for him a little bit because they force him to give the unobtainium exposition, even giving him the line, quote, this is why we're here. Yep. 
Yes. He literally holds up a piece of unobtainium and says, quote, this, this is, is why, why we're, we're here. here. Yeah. I know. He's got to do all that heavy. That I think that's why I like him. He's got to do all the shitty heavy lifting. Yeah, he's fine. And then, but he's got to make it at least sing even the slightest. And he is every now and then I bring up the movie Masked and Anonymous, which is a movie written by Bob Dylan that has like 50 incredible actors in it. Mm -hmm. And my favorite performance of Giovanni Ribisi's is in that movie. He has two monologues Mm -hmm. and is never seen again. (laughs) And it's incredible. Yeah. No, I mean, listen, has he been in better stuff? Yes. Has he given better performances? Yes. But I think with the material that he's being given, I'm like, ah, he's fun. He pops up and they're like, he's all right. fine. He's all right. Yeah. Stephen Lang and maybe Sigourney Weaver are the only two that I'm like, yeah, they slip right into this. Yeah. Stephen Lang, like, just chews this shit up real yeah, well. It feels like it was written for him. Like, it's exactly. It is so good. Yeah. He's incredible in this. I really don't like the white savior stuff added to the Pocahontas story. Sure. Like, this random dude is the chosen one or some shit makes me real uncomfortable. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It also feels extremely condescending towards indigenous people like it's trying to hyper grandize native culture but in doing so it shows everything it isn't in an attempt to say see they're not actually savages i don't know it just makes me everything about it makes me uncomfortable the fact that it's like written and directed by this like like the whitest guy on the planet trying to tell a story about how like see native people are are cool but it's also like super pandering because it's they're like writing pterodactyls and shit and i'm like i don't know about this it just makes me uncomfortable yeah but but doesn't count you know why they're aliens so it's okay (laughs) zoe saldana is incredible i completely forgot she was in this like just now she's great she's completely unrecognizable you don't recognize her voice it's she's incredible i wrote here michelle rodriguez plays the same character in every movie she's ever been in yep and at the end of the day this is a story about a guy who is totally willing to murder a bunch of living beings until he realizes he can fuck one of them which is a tale as old as time i mean really isn't that all of our stories it is tale as old as time oh that's true (laughs) you want to hear my favorite piece of trivia about this Please, I would love it. To help the actors prepare for their roles, director James Cameron took the cast and crew to Hawaii, where they spent their days trekking through the forests and jungles in order to get a better sense of what it would be like to live and move around the jungle on Pandora. These hikes were only done during the daytime, however, as the cast and crew spent their nights at a Four Seasons hotel. (laughs) (laughs) It's <laughs> my favorite. God. My father. It's all green screen. You know, so they can get a sense what it's like to live in the jungles on Pandora. Hey, guys. I'm going to give you a sense of what it's like to live in a made up jungle on a vicious planet that I have made up in my mind. So we're going to go to the best vacation spot in the world. Yep. We're going to take day long hikes and then we're going to settle in at the Four Seasons, which honestly might as well, because yeah. what else are you going to do? Because it's a made up planet. I know that we're not even going to an actual jungle to like pretend it's a made up planet. We're going to a warehouse. Right. Well, here's the thing, though. Can you imagine like I know that there were I think this is one just another in the long string of um projects that james cameron said if it doesn't make money i'll give up my directing fee or whatever every time right but can you imagine working in accounting for that company yeah and like getting a bill for like hiking in hawaii with like a tour guide or whatever and like a four seasons hotel in hawaii and you're like i thought you were shooting this 
inside. And he's like, oh, well, I wanted them to get a sense of what it was like on the planet. So we went to Hawaii. I want to give you a sense of what it's like on another planet. So I'm going to take you to the beach. And you're like, this is I mean, if it's a week and it's a four seasons hotel and there's, let's say, five people. Right. Which is probably more than that. But like five days, Mm -hmm. five people. Probably five hundred dollars yeah. a night. <laughs> they would have been better off if James Cameron was like, "I want to give you a sense of what it's like on this planet." So here's what we're gonna do: I'm gonna break us into the Bronx Zoo <laughs> and I'm gonna make you sleep in the tiger pit overnight. <laughs> it's gonna be one night of prep, and if you could survive, uh, then it, you're in the movie. And that's it. And they would have been better prepared. I thought you're gonna say he's like, "All right, everybody, I want you, I want to, I want to get us in the right headspace before we shoot this scene. I want to, I want to, I want to put you in." The hellhole of the jungles on Pandora. Everybody close your eyes. Imagine you can hear the wind. And he says, like, imagine you can hear the trees rustling. You hear crickets chirping. And then he just starts throwing tennis balls at them (laughs) as hard as he can. Yeah. I mean, to prepare for this, he might as well just have the table read. And during the table read at random intervals, just released a rabid bear through the (laughs) entire room. And and they're like, he's like, dodge the bear, dodge the bear. Keep doing the lights. Keep doing the lights. Dodge the bear. And then they just take the bear out of the room. And then like everyone settles down. And like 20 minutes later, the bear just comes back in. And he's like, dodge the bear, dodge the bear. Keep doing the lights. And. And then by the end, he's like, great, you're all ready to go. Filming starts on Monday. Or he's got like, I wonder if he had like a Pavlovian response where like every time he rings a bell, a bear comes out and tries to kill everyone. Yeah. And so like after three or four times of that, he gets on set and he's not getting what he wants. So he just rings the bell and they're like, "Ah." (laughs) that's what I would do. It's a lot easier than than the four seasons. I mean, it's not a lot easier than acting. (sighs) Yeah, I'll fucking say. Um, Yeah. Overall, after watching this. And going into the fact that we have to see the second one, how are you feeling about going into the second one now? Don't want to. Me neither. And again, I'm not viscerally like, oh, God, I don't want to see that. I'm just like, I could take this or leave this. Yeah, it kind of sucks because I was talking to Melinda about it and I was like, is that something you want to see? Like, like, do we can I just go see this? Because sometimes she's okay with that. Mm -hmm. She was okay with that with Black Adam. And she was like, I mean, I do want to see it. I just don't want to see it in theaters because yeah. I don't care that much. No, to dedicate like three solid hours. But she was like, but I do want to see it with you. So I still have to like, I don't know, configure how we're going to go see this it. This is a weird way to. Yeah, I don't know how that how that equates. Uh, yeah. yeah, I'm not sure how to do that for you. I just don't give it. I've heard it's better. Sure. I, I'm interested. I mean. <sighs> I'm, I just don't give a shit. I'm, I take it. Or, I could take it or leave it. I'm, you know, I've, I, I could leave it. You could. I mean, you, there's plenty of time. There's, you know, three hours of this. So you can definitely leave it at any time you want. Christ. Should we move on to the reading assignment? Yeah, probably. All right, then. Uh, Andrew. Yes. You gave me Lore Olympus. I sure did. Which is written by Rachel Smythe. Yeah. Uh, which is available on Webtoons. They do have, she, I think they published she's uh, some sort of print copy of this at one point. Yeah, there's three. I have the first volume. I got it at Comic-Con. Uh, you should point out as well, uh, Webtoons is completely free. So if you want to read this entire thing for free, no ads. Yes. no. She's still, it's still going. Yeah, right and no now free trial or anything. It's literally just a free service. You can just go to Webtoons. Uh, just Google Lore Olympus and click Webtoons. They have released three volumes in print. Yep. So I got the first volume, flew through it in about an hour and a half. I don't know how far you've got 
gotten in this? Uh, well, uh, I've gotten to what is what am I up to? Episode sixty-eight. Oh my god! I think you're much further than I am. I'm pretty sure I am. Twenty-five is how many I'm I'm through. Yeah, I just kind of flew through this. So, Lore Olympus is basically the story of the. It's Greek. Okay, Greek. <laughs> it took me a Jesus. second. I was like, I'm going to mix up the Roman and the Greeks. Yeah, I, oh, I know. I got it. Yeah. <laughs> I knew what it was. It took a second, but I was like, nope, to make sure you say this right. Pedro Pablo. Oh, my God. <laughs> so it's the story. It's the story of the Greek gods, specifically Hades and Persephone. I'm going to mispronounce yeah. so many. Of Persephone. These. Yeah. Persephone. I just did a little research. It's, it is based on like an actual tale. I mean, I'm pretty sure it's way off track at this point, <laughs> but it, the basis of this idea right. is based on an actual Greek myth, but specifically Hades and Persephone who there's an attraction to each other. They meet at a party and through certain events, she ends up staying the night at his place. They don't sleep together. It's a whole thing. But anyway, the point is there through this one night, uh, an attraction starts between the two of them. She is 19. He is 2000 years old, but they're both God. So it's a whole different, you know, you have to adjust for inflation, I guess. <laughs> so there's this uns- kind of unspoken attraction and then from there, each episode kind of deals with both of the characters as they kind of circle each other will they, in kind of a will they, won't they type of situation, right? And then, it, you know, other relationships start and it's a whole other thing. But anyway, I um, had you, you hadn't read this before giving me this, right? I'd read like the first four issues, but not like the whole, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. you've gotten much farther. I really enjoyed this actually. Actually, let me ask you, how did you how did did you enjoy this? How did you feel about I this? I did. I don't know that it's my genre. Mm-hmm, I, for it's, sure. It feels a little like I'm not really, first of all, a big like Greek myth fan. We talked sure. about this when we talked to the guys from Wayward Raven. They're like, it's not really in my my toolbox like that whole. It's just something I missed. Yeah. You know, yeah, like yeah, we yeah. talked about it in school, but it just wasn't something that clicked with me. Yeah. And additionally, it feels a bit like a like a romance novel, like a like almost like a mm-hmm. not smutty, but at times it can feel very like, ah, uh, yeah, you know, those romance novels you can get at like Kroger or whatever. Yeah, They're yeah, just yeah, like yeah. sitting in the book section. Yeah. That's got like a bare chested guy with a sword and holding a woman on a unicorn or whatever. <laughs> I, I let me just say this. If I was in Kroger and I saw the book of a bare chested man holding a woman on a unicorn, I'd be like, no, I'm getting that book. <laughs> I gotta figure, okay, I'll I gotta look for it for you. Whatever this is for you. Yeah, I'll look for it for you. Uh, but it's, I mostly enjoy it, I think. And there are things that I, I think I'm going to give it a second chance because right at the end, and I won't spoil it, but right at the end of the first volume, there are real stakes occurring. Mm-hmm. It feels mm-hmm. for the first, I guess, out of 25, probably 22 uh, she calls them episodes, Rachel Smythe, and and seasons. But so the first 22 episodes feel very frivolous, uh, flippant. There's not a lot going on. It's just like, oh, will they, won't they? It feels very much like an episode of Friends, but without most of the humor, you know? Right. It's like very Ross and Rachel, but it's not... There are very funny moments in it, but it's not a typically comic comic. I made a little pun there. You proud of yourself on that one? Yeah, very. You should be. It's good. I think I enjoyed it. I want to give it more of a chance because I think I'm going to like them dealing with the repercussions of the things that are happening at the end of the first volume. Yeah, I 
this was an interesting one for me because I read the first couple of episodes and I was like, oh, that was that was fun. That was interesting. Yeah. And I, that's what I thought, too. When I saw I, I loved the artwork. The art is, when really, I first, the, the art right. is really nice. The and f- I was like, OK, I get this. Like, maybe I'll recommend it or something. Well, but what, what happened with me is something really interesting that I haven't really had happen in a long time is I was like, OK, that was fun. That was cool. I'll, re- I'll end up reading a little more because we I know we got to talk about it. But OK, cool. That was fun. And then I put it down. And throughout the day, I started going. I don't know what's going to happen. Next. Like it just kind of like crept <laughs> yeah. in and then I read a little more and then I'd have to put it down and like get like I'd read it on the train and then I'd have to get off at my stop and go to work or something. And then every spare moment I had, I go, I wonder what's going on with that thing. And then I would just turn it on. I kept going back and it just getting. And before I knew it, I was like kind of obsessed with it. And it is that sort of. Yeah, it has that. It has a heavy romance to it. I I think it feels more like a like a young adult type of yeah, thing, like sure. a, like a Twilight that type of thing. But I just kept going. Like I wonder what's going on. I the writing I think is really strong in that it she does a really amazing thing, which is a really difficult thing to do in in print, which is that first episode. Where Persephone and is at Hades' house, right? She builds really strong chemistry with them. And she does it with not a lot of dialogue, which is really hard to do in print. If this was a movie, it'd be the kind of tantalizing, uh, I don't want to say suspenseful, but there'd be a lot of like tension to it. It'd be a really kind of like romantically tense scene of are they going to kiss? Are they going to this? Are they going to that? That's really hard to do in print because there's no background music playing. There's no movement to it. You can't control the pacing of the person reading it. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, oh, this is a really good scene. I like I was really taken in by that one scene. And that's what caused me for it to like burrow into the back of my head and was and stuck with me. And the more because of the tension of that scene and I felt the, the attraction to the between those two people. I kept going back and going like, I want to see what happens between these two. I want to see where this goes. And it kind of stuck with me. It does. I know we mentioned this comic a lot. It has me a little saga feel to it. Oh, it does. It ha- because they also then build out this world. So, you know, like Hades, the underworld is a big giant corporate city. Right. And he's like, the, because he's the king in the underworld, he works in this big office building. And, you know, there's secretaries and things like that. And so it gave me that kind of soccer feel because it's these, they're all gods, right? They all rule over the mortal realm the way that they do in, in Greek mythology. But they put a modern spin on it. Everyone has cars. Everyone has cell phones. You don't really get a feel for what time period the mortal realm is in. I think it's actually supposed to be ancient Greek. But everyone else, it's modern day and everything. And it gave me that feel. The way that Saga will have these extraordinary looking images of, you know, people with televisions for heads and things like that. But, like, they're a normal journalist. They're just the normal, like, like you would at any newspaper on Earth, that type of thing. So that gave me that feel. And and I guess maybe because there was something similar to Saga, something that I connected with already, it gave me that, that same feeling. Her flow is really good. Yeah. And the the dialogue is, listen, it's not the most crackling dialogue in the world, but it's, I actually find her dialogue really, really good. And I also, reading it on Webtoons, I don't know what it's like to read it in print, 
But reading it on webtoons, and we've read a couple of webtoons now, what I really think works well, and what, and this is kind of the same of what I said to the to the guys when we interviewed them from Wayward Raven, is a good writer gets the form that they're working in, and she gets the webtoon form. In webtoons, you scroll up, like the image goes up and up and up, and the, her transitions between scenes are these beautiful kind of like misty blank spots and so it gives this really interesting image of like you know a scene dissolves out and dissolves in and everything and i'm like this is you understand the form that you're in right now you understand how this medium works and you're telling a story written for that and it works really really well like i said i don't know what it looks like in print but if you're going to read this on webtoons this is a writer who really understands what she's doing with this form she's looked at this and gone i know exactly how to make this work for me which is really smart. And you know you're in the hands of a good writer then. Which is exactly as well why she is, I believe, the first person to be on Webtoon's payroll. They looked at her comic and they were like, hey, we want to pay you for this. Is that cool? <laughs> and now she works 70 hours a week on it. Yes, I was going to say, this is the comic itself is tremendous because she works 70 hours a week on this. Because I, I didn't see any other credits really other than like an art editor or something. But... It's pretty much her. I, I believe if I'm if I'm correct, it's her doing the art and the dialogue and the writing and where the story is going. And it does. It gets complicated. You know, she's balancing a lot of characters in this after a while. I do also want to I, I'd like to go back and talk actually about something I thought of when you were talking about how it reminded you of Saga. OK, it's interesting because I didn't quite make that distinct correlation. But one thing I did think was we oftentimes we like to use this platform to help people who are not deep into comics or at all into comics to find a gateway for them. Yeah. And I think depending on the type of story you normally look at. Yes. I think this goes to the top of the list right next to Saga. Absolutely. This is a really good way in to comics. This is a really good story. It's it's, you know, you you don't have to know Greek mythology. Yeah. I used to really like it, but I don't. I've forgotten it all by now. I have no idea who Persephone is. I know who Hades is. Yeah, I know the big ones. The only the only thing that I would that I would bump on is that she's this really interesting art style where she colors everyone's skin like actual like red and blue and green. Yeah, and there are multiple characters with the same skin color. Yeah. And I can't. It does get harder to tell the difference. Tell who's who. Because they're also like there's two guys that are red that are really good looking and muscular. And I'm like, which one is which? I have to wait for someone to to say something. Yeah, I really enjoy this. I really do. It's again on Webtoons. They go real fast. I mean, you can flip. There's a reason I was able to get through 68 of these because I I don't think it's just Webtoons, though. I really do think because I also in I mean, you know, we've talked about how I'm, I'm a pretty slow reader. I read the entire first volume, which is 25 issues in an hour and a half. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. I mean, no matter which way you're reading this, it flows real fast. I'm just saying, like, because it's broken down into, like, individual episodes. Sure. Like, on Webtoons. I'm like, you can, you know, in two minutes, you get through another episode if you've got, like, you know, <laughs> if literally you're sitting at a restaurant and someone's like, I'm going to go to the bathroom really quick. You can get through an entire episode by the time they get back. Like you can you can sail through this thing. Yeah, this might be one I end up sticking with. 
she says she has an end game for this. She says that she knows how this is going to end. She hasn't said how long this is going to go for. Part of me is like, maybe I'll wait till this ends and then I'll blow like right through this. But at this rate, because I know I'm going to forget. I, like it comes out weekly and they're real short. So I feel like I'm going to get to like 220. I think it's up to 222 right now. 222. <laughs> yes. Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's still going. But yeah, I feel like this is going to get I'm going to hit 222 and then I'm going to have to like wait weekly and I'm going to be like, oh, I forgot that I was waiting for that and then have to like catch up all over. Yeah. And you're going to check again and it's at like 2000 and you're like, fuck. Yeah. And I'm going to be like, ah, oh, fuck. I just <laughs> forgot everything. I yeah. forgot. And I'll forget what, uh, what the first 200 issues were about. Well, one thing you can do as well is wait for the TV show to come out. Because I was just going to say, this is also on top of her being the first person to get paid by webtoons. She is also, she's also won an Eisner award for this, which I believe she's the first one from webtoons to win an Eisner. And webtoons now, I it, like, has started to try to try and get some of their stuff made into television and movies and things mm. like that. It this looks like is Jim Henson Company. Yes, is going to do it. Yeah, it's what this is one of the first ones to make a deal to be made into some sort of uh, television show. So I'm actually really interested in that. I don't think it's going to be Jim Henson like they're going to be using Muppets. I think it's they do now also like CGI and everything. I think they should use Muppets. <laughs> I think that'd be really interesting. But this, I mean, I'm really interested to see if this becomes a show, what this is. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting. I keep meaning to look up as well. I want to get this book signed by her because she wasn't at Comic-Con. It was just like the publisher was there. Right. And I would love to like find her sign and stuff. Yeah. I would absolutely love to. Yeah. She's, I mean, I'm like I said, it's, it's really interesting. I really did not expect a whole lot from this and then I started reading it. I was like wow I'm really in this holy shit I'm in the middle of a thousand percent uh, all right are you ready for your reading assignment I mean I guess okay so uh we we had a little interaction with someone on was it on Twitter it was on Twitter yeah a couple of weeks back um yeah. with uh, one Gail Simone you said something on Twitter basically which is kind of repeat you re- kind of repeated it on Twitter you've said it on the show too um but then Gail Simone came back at you because you were talking retweeted about it. Yeah. retweeted it and then came, it came back at you with an answer about the future of the DC films. And it got me thinking, my God, Gail Simone is a really good writer and we haven't really read any of her stuff. And as a reading this, I mean, I think we're due. Um, so I'm going to give you Leaving Megalopolis by Gail Simone. You right? make that up. Nope. Leaving Megalopolis. And if you're as surprised as I am that I said that title correctly, let me twice. Tell you. Yeah, I I said it the second time just because I was so proud of myself. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Gail Simone, especially in D.C., her biggest thing was was uh, Batgirl. She like really did an incredible run on Batgirl. But then she went off and made an, a, an original storyline of her own. I shouldn't say that because I'm sure the Batgirl storyline was an original storyline of her own. Right. An original property. Thank you. That's what I'm talking about. And so this is one that I'm really interested in because I also have not read this before. So this is this. I'm using this as an excuse to get myself to read. Have it. you ever read anything by her? I've never read anything by her. I feel like I have. I did not read her run on Batgirl. I've been meaning to. She's very prominent on Twitter. She seems like a very successful person. She is a very successful person. I don't know her. Uh, I think I don't know how much she's worked in Marvel. I think 
think she's worked a little on Marvel, but not a lot. But her big thing was, like I said, uh, doing a lot in DC. I think I read that she did some Deadpool, but I'm not super savvy on Deadpool either. Right, exactly. But she is. She's extremely successful and an extremely good writer. So I'm really looking forward to Did this. you say she's an extremely good writer, but you don't know if you've read anything of hers? Uh, be- just because I've heard um, everything that she comes out with is like critically acclaimed. What a poser. Yep. That's fine. I'll take it. Whatever. Listen, Avatar changed my life. And <laughs> so, yeah, so there it is. That's it. That's that's what we got for you Great. next time. Well, next time. You. No, I meant you two specifically. Times that's your next reading assignment is what I'm saying. Huh, is this long? This episode or just <laughs> life in general? <laughs> I meant the book. Is it long? I don't think so. Okay. Because I read this in an hour and a half when I went, oh, shit, I still have to read the reading assignment. Uh, You can at least get enough of leaving Megalopolis done in an hour and a half that you could talk about it. Let's put it that way. All right. That's it. There it is. That's it. That's all we got to do. Holy hot fucking steaming dog shit. We did it. That was incredible. That was my impression of James Cameron. I had no idea where that was going to start, and I had no idea where it was going to end. <laughs> and uh, in the middle, I was lost there, too. Yeah. We did it, Andrew. Mm-hmm. There it is. There wasn't a thing. And that, oh, wait, no, we're not even there yet. Where am I going? Oh, hey, Andrew. What? Hey, Andrew. What? Hey, Andrew. What? Where can they find us? Well, they can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Pandora, SoundCloud.com, slash The Media Lunch Break, where we put out episodes every morning at 8 a.m., uh, I was just featured in a video that Melinda made. She put out a YouTube video about um, how she's redesigning her website. And oh, she fun. just wants to make like sort of a vloggy kind of thing where she's showing updates on what she's doing and the steps and stuff. And uh, she talked with me and we had like a very quick interview about it. And uh, so hopefully that'll get done soon. You can also find us on Twitter where Gail Simone is yelling at us for being idiots. That's uh, at Media Lunch Break. We're also on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube.com slash The Media Lunch Break. Also, I've been putting out videos on my personal account as well lately because I felt like I didn't have enough to do. So I put out one about cutting my hair, and I'm about to put out one about the equipment that we have chosen for the uh, podcast network that we're doing. Oh, yeah, yeah. And the mics and why I chose the mics and why I chose the audio interface. And uh, it's a it's going to be a cool video. So head over to whatever my YouTube channel is. <laughs> I think it's Andrew Dunn Art. I think cool. is what it is. Cool. Uh, just search that and you'll find it. And uh, that video is going to go up pretty soon. And it's it's I worked really hard on it. So give it a look. See, I will not. OK, don't. I wasn't talking to you. I don't give a shit what you do. Oh, sorry. My, my mistake. You can also find us on TikTok where our handle is at the media lunch break. We're on Patreon. If you'd like to give us a dollar to, you know, keep the lights on to, you know, so I don't have to sell my hair again, like the gift of the Magi. Mm-hmm. There's a reference. Yeah. Jesus. Shocked you even knew what that was. <laughs> And you can go to patreon.com slash the media lunch break to do that. You can also send us an email at the media lunch break at gmail.com. If you want to recommend stuff to us, as Chris will get into, he'll talk about why you might want to do that in a little bit. But if you do want to, you can send it on over via email or any of those other ways that I said. You can also find us on our website, which is www.themedialunchbreak.com. Give us a rating and a reviewing on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, or anywhere else, like at the gas station. Sure. It'd be great. Yeah. Um, just write it on a stall. That's that should be the review. 
do the rating. <laughs> we'll get to it. But do the rating, leave the review blank, and put a review in a in in any public restroom Ooh, in Sharpie. I like that. I like that. But uh, special thank you to Julie. Thanks, Julie. For being super awesome. Yeah. Um, as always, like Andrew said, you can leave a rating and a review in. You can leave it right in app. If you leave it in there, you leave a five-star rating. Uh, it really does help. You don't know how. I don't know how. It doesn't matter. Just do it. All right? Like Andrew said, if you leave a five-star rating, you can leave whatever kind of review you want in there. I'll tell you what. Andrew's right. This week, just leave a rating right in on the wall of a bathroom stall. I didn't mean to rhyme that, but whatever. <laughs> and in the in the review on the, uh, in the app, just leave us where that review can be found. Just review can be found. Second stall, Exxon Gas Station, Highway 49. That's that's fine. Let's just leave it right in there. And then we'll do a little road trip. Maybe we'll do a little road trip episode where you and I go read all the reviews. What do you think of that, Andrew? Would I you would like love to do that. that? I, I love that idea. I love yeah. this idea as well. Uh, yeah, like Andrew said, uh, next... Oh, jeez. Sorry. I'm moving my water bottle around. You think I could hold off on that because we're like two seconds from the end of the episode, but no... How did you pronounce Megalopolis correctly, but you've knocked over your water bottle six times during this episode? Because I'm so excited to say Megalopolis. <laughs> Seven times. So anyway, uh, I said you knocked over your water bottle six times. What? How many times have I said Megalopolis correctly? Four now. I think five. You want to put in one more just to make sure? Megalopolis. Good job. So uh, next week, no, next week, next week, Andrew is going to be the best damn day of the week. Your kid is so happy about it. He's so happy right now. Um, I'm trying to get off right now because he's losing his he's mind. He's very excited for it. It's uh, it's going to be Tuesday news day. Tuesday news day. Then, Followed by Avatar 2. Electric Boogaloo. Electric Boogaloo. This time it's personal. And Megalopolis. And Megalopolis. <laughs> Leaving Megalopolis. That's an important part of the story. Okay. Anyway. Uh, and that, but as always, here's the thing. If you're there's something you want us to be talking about, if you're like, listen, don't bother with Avatar 2. Talk about this thing over here. Send it over. If you're like, listen, please Gail do Simone, it. Please, for the love of God, do it. It's a lot of great stuff. Don't leave leaving Megalopolis. Read this other great Gail Simone thing instead. Send it over to us. If you're a creator, if you're a writer, you made a comic, you made a pilot, you made a movie, something like that. You want us to look at it. You want us to put some ears on it, eyes on it, send people towards it, send it over towards us. We will talk about it. We'll do it as a reading assignment. We may even do it as a subject. Who knows? Send it over. We're happy to do all that stuff. That's basically what we've been doing for the last few weeks. Other than that... That's it. That's all I got. There it is. There wasn't a thing. and We made it. Boom. Yeah, made a thing. There's a thing. That's before, at the beginning of this, there wasn't there a was thing There was not here. a thing. And now, here we are, about an hour and a half later. A whole thing. There's a whole thing here. That's how easy it is. Go out, make a thing. Yeah. What are you sitting there doing nothing for? Get out there and make something. Yeah. Right, will ya? All right? These t- <laughs> Eight times. <laughs> These two idiots can do it. Yeah. If this idiot can do it, Andrew, future Andrew hates me right now. Yeah, that's great content. People are going to love that. Yeah, I know. I know. Then you can do it, too. Uh, Other than that, uh, I should go because uh, my kids, I don't know. He's losing his mind right now. Uh, It's his birthday. Today? Yep. Oh, my gosh. Two years old. Oh, that's yeah. amazing. Let's see, what time is it? 10, 12. Two years ago at this point, 
we were like, hey, we're doing a C-section. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we were at that point at this uh, yeah. right now. I should say as well, uh, sorry to everyone who listened to last week's episode. I forgot to put a disclaimer at the front. The first like 20 minutes sounds like shit, but I think yeah. we figured it out. I think we're okay now. I think it's okay. I think my pop filter was a little too close to my mic and it was rubbing up against the mic. But so I now think... we just sound like regular shit. Yep. There you go. We're regular back to our regular sounding like shit. That's what we do. We just... We sometimes we dip down and then when you're like, oh, I can't take these two idiots anymore, we raise it back up and you think we've gotten better, but all we've done is gone back to zero. Back to regular <laughs> shitty. Yep. Yeah, that's what we do. Great. 